0: Welcome to the Plain Sight podcast hosted by Invisible. Invisible Technologies is a fascinating company. Uh, We essentially make complex business problems disappear. So we partner with you. We figure out what your operations are. We figure out what your processes are. We figure out what your team doesn't like to do. And we basically do that better, faster, cheaper. Uh, But this isn't specifically about what we do. It's also the philosophy behind why we do it. So this show really gets into what makes Invisible tick. Uh, Who are the key players at Invisible? Who are the key players outside of Invisible who enjoy our work? Um, What are all the things that are going on inside of Invisible? What a podcast does, it allows you to find out things that you normally wouldn't be able to find out. So it's like a fireside chat that's basically decentralized and anybody can listen to it at all times. So we really invite you to uh, listen and subscribe if you really like these episodes. And as always, you can reach out to anybody on the Invisible team. Uh, Our website is invisible.co and we're happy to have you here. Welcome to the Plain Sight Podcast. My guest today is Jill Weston. She's the Chief of Staff at Invisible Technologies. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, Stuart. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah. Uh, really excited to dig into your wisdom. You've got so much to offer. Uh, so, what, like, can you just walk me through a typical week uh, of your job as chief of staff at Invisible Technologies?
1: Sure. So, uh, as chief of staff, I would say that my main objective is to align the company with uh, the CEO's priorities, his strategy, his goals. Um, So much of my week is spent uh, understanding the state of the business, um, delving into the people dynamics and being able to connect the dots for the CEO leadership and making sure that people are spending time on things that really matter. Uh, It can range from addressing any gaps and escalations, um, as well as kind of the the more um, administrative things or something is exciting for me, at least of uh, building
0: company machinery. Mm, That's really interesting. Uh, a (laughs) a A lot we can go from there. Uh, The biggest interesting thing that I just learned from you explaining that is that it's, I mean, all of us at at this company, at Invisible, like part of our job is to actually understand the company. Um, What you just said means that you also have a similar role as knowledge management, it seems, because knowledge management transcends any sort of uh, function, any specific function. So it's like very cross-functional understanding all the different flows of knowledge and information. And your role is really interesting because... You're like almost like the um, maybe the amygdala of the of the of the executive <laughs> center of the of the brain of, of invisible because it feels like the executive center is is the CEO uh, of, of Ben Plummer and so and then and then you're kind of like right there kind of n- n- like seeing the things that are as they're happening and making sure everything is moving together and that kind of that kind of goes into the building the company machinery. Um, what is the difference between a company which that has really good machinery going for it and a company that doesn't have a very good machinery for it.
1: I like that you asked that question. Um, the The way I think I would have a litmus test is that things at a company that has clean machinery, they feel easy. Mm. And I think it relates a lot to the knowledge management, right? Is that your business hums. People are aligned. They have a common goal. They understand the common mission. Everybody gets why they're here. How is it that this person's contribution is aligned to the company's overall objectives? At any point, somebody should be able to say, yes, I know exactly how I contribute to Invisible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know exactly what it, Invisible is trying to do. And I think the machinery is in place in the background that you shouldn't notice it, mm-hmm. but that it everybody is moving together to do the same thing. And I think that that's really united by strong, clear, effective leadership.
0: Very cool. Um, fascinating. Okay. And so... I mean, this must have to do have to. You must have gotten some of this wisdom that you're able to do this from being in the armed forces. Is that accurate?
1: I think so. Yes, Uh, I spent uh, about 15 years or so in the military.
0: And uh, is the is the military like a a a strongly function? Is the machinery inside the military like what? Can you describe what that's like?
1: (laughs) Sure. Um, I think. It's uh, what the machinery in the military is like, oh my gosh. On one hand, uh, there is a policy about every single solitary little thing that you could possibly want to do. Um, on the other hand, it is so deeply autonomous mm-hmm. uh, and it's very strange how it's able to kind of operate in, in both worlds uh but the the machinery of the military somehow remains to be exceptionally functional uh which makes the United States military uh the most effective one in in the world. dare I say it uh, and I and I think that has a lot to do with the emphasis on leadership mm-hmm. and how pervasive that value of having great leadership is amongst the people of it.
0: Mm-hmm. And so what is the essence of good leadership?
1: Oh my gosh, Stuart, a million dollar question. I I think leadership is a lot of things, but I think ultimately the essence of it can be broken down into a person who creates a vision, a person who motivates people around them to believe it enough to do it, Uh, they communicate it in a way that people understand it. They are able to influence everything, everyone around them and their power to get that vision, those goals accomplished. And perhaps the last part within that is that this person does the right thing, especially when it's hardest. They have the hardest conversations they do the hardest things. Um, they hold that line, mm.
0: uh, and uh, that's super tricky because we as human beings have all of these kind of uh, deep aspects to ourselves that sometimes aren't very clear even to us. And sometimes it's it's more clear when we see somebody else out of out of line with their integrity or out of line with what they're what they need to be doing um and and like all of us are just so filled with these 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 um deep processes that we aren't aware of that we aren't conscious of uh and so leadership it sounds like a very important role of leadership is to like be really pinpointed and to actually call those things out is that accurate
1: i think so absolutely i think um some of the fundamental tenets of leadership as i as I've thought about this a lot in the last couple of weeks in preparation for this podcast is the ability to listen Mm -hmm. to others, the ability to build strong relationships, find solutions through collaboration. Mm -hmm. Um, And you mentioned integrity, you know, and that being a core part of who you are and what it is that you're trying to do.
0: Um, Okay. That's very interesting. And so the ability to listen As a leader, how have you been able to learn how to listen better?
1: What's so funny about that is there are so many misconceptions when I tell people that I was in the military that they think that um, military officers or people who've served uh, don't listen. Um, And I think that there couldn't be something further from the truth I think that in order to really listen you need to care Mm. about people you need to be invested in people you have to like people and when you listen to somebody they're going to want to listen to you and when you care about them you learn who they are and they're going to want to care about you and I think that Listening also is related so fundamentally to respect mm. and rapport and building a very good relationship with somebody to the point where they feel like you have their back. Mm. And trust is something that is so fundamental to any relationship, any team, any company. Um, and I I think it all is centered upon listening.
0: Mm. Uh so what are all the different types of listening because it sounds like there's there's the listening of in terms of linguistic listening that we're listening to each other as well but there are other layers to listening as well what are what are those other layers
1: One of the things that I try to do is when I am listening to somebody is be as active of a listener as possible and that includes uh, not waiting for my turn to talk. I think that that's something that a lot of people, to, a lot of people do. Um, they're waiting for something in the course of a conversation. Uh, they hear something and then they want to respond to that, and then they wait for that person to finish talking, and then they go back and they respond to that piece, right? And I think that one of the core things about listening, or the one of the core ways of listening, is to be completely present in a conversation. Um, Because if you're not listening to the people around you, and you're a leader, and you're not listening to what it is that your team is telling you, at least within the context of the military, you could get it wrong. And if you could get it wrong, you could get people killed. Mm. And if you get people killed, that's 100% on you. Mm. And I think that when you have those types of um when when the water can be that deep it seems like a very basic <laughs> it seems like a very basic thing to listen but i don't think it is because i think people i think people are so fundamentally insecure
0: so let's go back to uh the the responsibility so it's like it sounds like leadership what is the relationship between leadership and responsibility
1: i think as a leader you are fundamentally responsible for everything within your context, to be a leader is to be responsible, and to be responsible is to be a leader. Um, I think that there's a lot of layers within that.
0: So, as it relates to to leadership and really becoming leader, what is the importance of motivation? How do you view motivation? Where does it come into in in your life?
1: Motivation for me is everything. Um, I it's for me it's waking up in the morning and wanting to do something although to be fair honestly a lot of the time I wake up in the morning and I do not want to go exercise and then um I make myself exercise uh so maybe (laughs) that's part of motivation uh as it is but when I think about motivation within the context of leadership and I think of motivation in the context of getting other people (laughs) to to do things that uh you know, we're trying to, to achieve at work. I I suppose perhaps I could take a step back mm. and I could talk about what I believe. Mm. And I, and I, this all relates within the context of motivation, but I, I believe that an organization's greatest assets are its people. Mm. I don't think it's the technology or in the context of Mm -hmm. the military, the weapons, or, you know, the reputation, uh, because it's people behind all of those things at the end of the day. And I believe in order to motivate someone, in order to get the most out of someone, I as a leader have to create an environment where I make that person feel valued, appreciated, Mm -hmm. challenged, even uh, this person wants to come to work every day, um, and they want to do everything that they can do. This is the difference between getting an email perhaps at seven p.m. when you're, you know, dead tired and right as you're closing your laptop for the night, and as you see that email come in, the motivation is the difference of reopening up that laptop and mm. responding. Mm. You know, because it has to do with the way that a person's relationship is formed with that leader and, and that organization. And I think that for me, that's how I, uh, think of motivation.
0: Interesting. So what is the relationship between motivation and communication? So like you mentioned that, like, it's, it's all about the relationship that you have with somebody, whether they're motivated to actually, uh, open up and respond to the email. And that's built on relationship. What is the importance of communication when it comes to relationships?
1: You often hear people say clarity is key. Or, you know, you hear kindness, clarity is kindness, things like that. And I think there's so much to be unpacked within the context of communication, effective communication. And there's, I think, some of the places where I've found myself in a bit of hot water in the past is when the communication was not as clear. Mm. And for whatever reason, Um, those expectations uh, had not been fleshed out. And I think that it it does come down to the relationship that somebody has with someone else and making sure that you really do invest in that clarity and you really do have the conversation about the hard things if needed. And when something becomes problematic, you don't uh, sweep that under the rug, that you immediately address it. And you say, hey, this is what I'm seeing, this is what I'm feeling, let's get this out in the open, let's address it, let's disagree and commit if we need to or (laughs) let's agree and commit Mm -hmm. and and move forward. And I think that those are the types of things when it comes to communication that especially in a place like Invisible that's moving so, so fast or a place like the military that has such high, high stakes uh, must be integral into the, the functionality the organization
0: uh that that thing you mentioned about essentially very very quickly getting to the root of something and calling something out immediately as Mm. that's that's something that i've struggled with a great deal and i've noticed that my own personal way that i that i handle or that i used to handle it was essentially like i would convince myself that i didn't actually need to say it and then (laughs) <laughs> fester and fester and fester and fester until it would just get to the horrible point where something really, really bad would happen. Uh, and th- now I've kind of learned that about myself and I've, I've learned how to be really quick and really solid, but I, I still have, have some trouble with it as well. Um, uh, wh- how do you learn to do it? Wh- wh- like, what are some of the challenges you faced or what are the kind of like uh, the wins that you had when when uh, learning how to do this? Is it something you learned in the military? Yes, absolutely.
1: I think, to, I think a lot of people, not everybody has struggled uh, the same struggle as you. Um, and I certainly have, uh, you know, undergone that type of train myself, Stuart. I think, I, I think with the military, you do need to be able to have those hard conversations and you do need to be able to be very, very direct
0: and in order to get to the root of things, like when there's a problem and not ish, not getting directly to the problem, uh, how did you learn how to actually get to the root of the problem quickly?
1: When I think about problems, I, <laughs> I actually have this great story that's totally not related to the military, but that actually, or invisible, but that my mom taught me. And I think that this has been extremely informative in terms of Uh, having hard conversations with people or getting to the root of many issues. And my, my mom, before uh, she met, my father had been married and divorced. And one time I asked her, um, when did you know that uh, you needed to get divorced? And she said uh, when he did the laundry for one sock and I was super taken aback. And I said, I don't understand the laundry for one sock. And she said, yes, the laundry for one sock. And I said, why the sock? And she goes, Jill, it's never about the sock. And I think that that is such an interesting way of looking at problems. You see a testy email come through or someone's snapping or you see a team grinding um against each other and most often times people are arguing about the sock
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it's not about the sock right it's never about the sock it's about perhaps a power dynamic or it's about someone feeling disrespected or it's about somebody not feeling like their voice is being heard or all sorts of different things but I think in those moments where you're taken aback for a second you're like, wait wait there's there's something going on here that onus is on you to figure out what is this actually about because the sock is a symptom
0: mm-hmm.
1: right It's a symptom and if you don't if you <laughs> if you address the sock you can address the sock but it's still going to come back in different ways. Right. And for my mom, it had been a lot to do with the inequality of House Park and then the way that I think her former husband had seen her. And I'm, you know, putting words in her mouth, but that's as much as I gathered. But I I think that the lesson has been so informative for me to always look at a moment of disagreement or adversity with other people or what is it that's actually going on. And you can kind of look at the emotion that people have and how they say something, but it's less important how somebody says something versus, you know, what it is that they're, what they're actually expressing.
0: Yeah. It's so interesting. It's the subtext. Uh, and, and like, there's this constant subtext to everything we do. And it goes back to those kind of like those deeper motivations that we we're talking about that we're all very complex being with a lot of different desires and wants, some of which are obvious to us, some of which aren't. Um, and inside a company, there's just so much more layers to this because we're in a professional environment, and we need we're 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 competent, and we need to retain that competency, or else the business fails. Um, and it's such a such an interesting dynamic. Uh, um, and I don't have any question here. If 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 anything I said sparks anything, I'd love to hear hear from you about it. But I really love that that imagery of essentially that it's never the thing that everybody thinks it is. It's always mm. some other deeper layer that's going on. Uh, Well, have you, have you done much uh, like psychological work or, or any, or even wellness or any of these other things? Has that played an important role in your life?
1: When you say things like wellness, um, do you mean, like, how do you, how do you mean that?
0: Anything. It could be, it could be, uh, could be therapy, could be, um, uh, could be uh, massage, could be meditation, could be leadership uh, trainings, could be um, executive coaching. Have you done any of those, those sort of things?
1: Uh, I I have um I've done a lot of those things. I think that it's really important to always try to find ways to grow and develop. Um, and I think for me, the best medicine that I have is exercise, uh, which is probably a <laughs> it's probably uh, due to the military being so rigid with their physical training. <laughs> but uh, I can't really go a day without it. And I I think that there's something really beautiful about creating a a space and time where it's just you against yourself. And no one is really measuring you unless um, you know, you're a fanatic on Strava or something, which is one of the reasons that I got off Strava is that I really want to focus just on, on myself in those sessions. And I think when you think about therapy or executive coaching all incredibly important things but whatever your medicine is and obviously diversification of that medicine is key uh it has to be a place where you feel like you're getting something out of it you know you're able to like sweat out your stress if you will for exercise or you know you you leave a, a therapy or executive coaching session where your energy balloon, if you will, has somebody's blown air into it mm. rather than um, kind of shrinking it. And then you feel smaller.
0: Mm. And the reason I asked that question is because there's there, there's that subtext. Uh, and one of the main ways that I learned about the subtext was through work with a, a, a counselor who was mm-hmm. had this like uncanny ability to exactly pinpoint exactly what it was that i was hiding from myself um mm. and uh and, it, it, and and so i'm it, it's just such a generative area uh and i i'm i like i'm just so curious as to how you learned how to do that basically cuz i know that you do that really well i've seen you do it before um <laughs> <laughs> uh, and i'm just curious if you if you do you think that that was like do they did they train you how to do it in the military or did you learn that somewhere else or um
1: I think I I think I see what you're getting at uh they train you in the military to be emotionless mm. when it comes to certain decision making mm. and you have to be right like if you watch any movie or read any book um you're endangering people's lives uh who you really care about and you have to be able to make decisions in an order that always follows ship, shipmate self. Mm. So the mission comes first, then the unit comes next, mm. and you're always last, right? Mm. And I think uh, looking at, I think that is one of the things that uh, makes me an effective chief of staff is that I'm able to pull myself out of a lot of those situations, I am able to zoom out and look at the different pieces on the chessboard and see why this piece is moving in that direction. And maybe even be able to see a couple pieces ahead, which is (laughs) the ideal state, but understanding what is motivating different people. And I think that that has to do a lot with caring about people, which is something we talked about earlier and investing in those relationships and understanding why people are saying and doing the things that they're doing
0: very cool um hmm. understanding people's motivations so how can you understand people's the explicit stated motivations versus the motivations that they really have
1: (laughs) counterintelligence maybe um I think, I'm not, I'm not sure. I,
0: you just do it. You just know how to do it, basically.
1: <laughs> I, I invest a great deal of time in observation.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. People probably don't realize I'm watching and listening, but I am.
0: <laughs> well, here's a good question. How, Cause, okay. So, uh, 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 so can you actually describe what you did in the military and, and, uh, how you kind of learned some of the things we've been talking about?
1: Sure, so I began my career on a warship. Uh, I was a surface warfare officer. And for the first few years, I was a weapons officer on the USS Freshmore. We were an amphibious ship. So we were charged with carrying 500 Marines around the world, uh, anywhere that uh, we needed to go with the capacity to um, have Marines storm the beach uh, within a, a very short window. From there, I went to work on an admiral staff. And uh, when I worked on the ship, it was a very tactical job. And then when I went to the admiral staff, it was um, a far more strategic job. And it was a a fascinating change to go from being a unit on the ground to working for someone um, several layers up and be able to see how the the chess pieces were being moved and why decisions were being made the way they were and work with foreign militaries. Uh, From from there, I went and I worked in the Philippines with a a joint special operations task force. So I worked for Navy SEALs and Green Berets, and we were doing um, some counterterrorism and some humanitarian assistance operations when there were some issues in that area. Uh, I think that was probably my favorite job, although it was certainly the most intense one. And from there I transitioned from active duty into the reserves and uh I went back essentially to being on staffs, uh Admiral staffs because I really, really enjoyed that. So uh that's uh kind of my my military <laughs> career in a nutshell uh very heavy into the operations very heavy in the leadership very heavy in project management
0: that's so interesting so many so many areas we can go into uh i mean it, the field that i love asking this question uh what is the main difference between strategy and tactics
1: i think strategy is the idea and the tactics is the how
0: mm-hmm. uh and so like when like you just You talked about how you're an amphibious ship. You've got a whole bunch of Marines storming the beach in a small amount of, uh, a small amount of time. Uh, so you have the idea of like, which beach you're going to storm. Uh, and then, but like in that situation, what are the, what's the strategy and what's the tactics? Like, what did you learn about tactics from that, from that experience and how you, would you, would you apply it to startups?
1: Sure. So storming the beach, the strategy would be the why. Why are we storming this beach? What is it that we're trying to achieve? What is it? like? How does this piece fit into the puzzle or really the the journey? The tactics are, are we going to storm it from this direction, that direction? Are we going to um, have air cover? Are we going to do it in the middle of the night? Uh, Things like that. And how does that relate to startups Uh, relates to startups in every single way? It's just a different uh, usage of um, human manpower. Uh,
0: um, And so what has been the, what's been like, what lessons were you able to take over from that experience being in the military and now being inside of startups?
1: Oh, wow. That's the million dollar question. (laughs) I, I When I think back to moments like that, uh, the military is definitely a pressure cooker, right? Uh, When you're deployed and you're working 18 hours a day and uh, there are no weekends and you can't, you know, go home and turn off the ship, you're working all the time. And the other thing is uh, you're in a war zone. So you don't necessarily know what's going to happen when it's going to happen but it could happen at any time and I think that that's uh prepared me very well for the startup world because uh <laughs> the startup world is has a lot of similarities mm-hmm. within that and, um the between <laughs> The, the pressure, the ambiguity, uh, not knowing what's around the corner uh, needing to be ready to go. Uh, there's a lot of differences, but I, I think also uh, you need to have a very thick skin um, and <laughs> be very prepared to to work very hard and be able to, also kind of sort through what is it that we're trying to do here mm-hmm. because there are long days on deployment and you have to keep yourself centered and grounded for what is it that why are we here and that those are the reasons that get people through I think and having those objectives having that shared belief
0: mm. Um that yeah, the- this
1: is the right thing to do
0: it's, it's what you said is so interesting about startups because you still need to have that same kind of attitude, but it's almost a completely different environment. But it's the nature because in the military, I, I haven't been in the military, I don't, I don't know huge much about it, but I get get an idea from what you just said. So you have that piece, and then you have the startup piece, and the reason why they're similar is because in a startup you're going from zero to one, and in that mm-hmm. zero to one phase, there's just like there's a the potential for massive growth, but there's also potential for massive failure. Um, and so and the success and failure, a lot of that depends on the actual way that people are doing their work and and the way that they're motivated. They're getting up every morning and, and doing the same thing over and taking these actions and essentially not knowing which actions are going to result in the right outcomes. Um, but everybody's kind of focused in the same direction and and everybody needs to wear a whole bunch of different hats. But then as the company changes, you know, and as Invisible is now changing a lot too, it's like, then things shift again. And it's just like a constantly sh- shifting landscape. Um, and, Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and I know yeah, that- Being I know comfortable that I with ambiguity. Yeah, being comfortable <laughs> with ambiguity. And, and so in what ways did you have to learn how to do that in the military? Like, what are some of the sources of ambiguity in the military?
1: There are so many sources of ambiguity. Mm. I, I think back to every mission is starts out as ambiguous, Mm. right? You have your objectives and you need to achieve a thing. What is the thing? And you don't necessarily know how it's going to go. Right. And I, I think that you need to become comfortable with discomfort Mm. and not knowing And it kind of goes back to something that we talked about earlier, which I think is really important, which is the ability to listen and lean on everybody around you because everybody around you is in the literal same boat. And those are the people who will help make the difference and could keep you alive.
0: Mm, That's really interesting. And so taking it back to the startup, because the startup is a very interesting place because uh, particularly in a smaller startup, I think Invisible no longer fits in that in that smaller startup, but a smaller startup, mm-hmm. it's like five people, 10 people, all big idea, huge, insane amount of work. Like everybody, everybody's very, very like uh, focused on the goal, which is, you know, like creating something that makes a big difference in people's lives so that they actually uh, use the thing and, and then create exponential value. Um, and then it changes and and everything like that and so you're on a boat together everybody's got a mission they're all they're all like focused 100% on that goal and then you're in a startup land how do you manage the fact that people can't necessarily like it's not life or death that's that's the real thing it's life or death of the of the startup itself but it's not that real existential thing that you're talking about in terms of the military um uh do you have any do you have any thoughts on that on that rambling i just went on
1: Oh my gosh, yes, I do. It's because people believe. That's why we're here. Mm -hmm. And we believe a person's vision. And that comes down to leadership, right? That comes down to somebody creating a vision and motivating us around them to believe in it too. Mm -hmm. And communicating it clearly et cetera, et cetera. That's why we're here.
0: And that's very interesting because that's the, that's the part I was trying to get to as a company gets larger and larger and larger, the ability to communicate that vision gets harder. Would you say that that's accurate?
1: Yes. Yes, I do.
0: Yeah. And, and so how, how can we like, and then we can go back to the military as well, because the military is also a massive, massive organization as well. Did you feel uh, automatized? Like, how did how did they actually spread vision inside the military as well?
1: The military is so good at this. So shockingly good at this. I think it comes down to their culture. They beat it into you. <laughs> mm. You know, uh, you go to boot camp, you go to officer candidate school, you go to ROTC, any sort of entrance, right, into the military, and they indoctrinate you. This is our culture. These are our values. This is our culture. These are our values. You repeat, this is our culture. These are our values. And when you have that roadmap, those that culture and that, those values, decisions become a lot easier to make because- you're guided by principles
0: and principles that are like down at the layer of deep deep habit as well deep, deep habit yep. yeah um and so taking it back to the to the, to the startup world and building a company uh culture is really important you must have some very good insight into culture from that ability to see what was in the military and see the challenges of a of a of a startup uh And that's that okay now i get what you're saying about about the vision that's why the vision is so important inside of a startup for
1: sure yeah Yeah, there's there needs to be something to unite everybody right or else what's the point
0: that is very interesting okay um and so as we get larger how can we make sure that we're really you know how well how do we embrace these principles that we all share, but without having a sort of like that same crazy structure that the military has.
1: The military does have a crazy structure. (laughs) That is true. How do we do that? I think, I don't think it takes that many people, Mm -hmm. but I think you need to be very clear about what it is that you're trying to do. For example, the Navy, uh, those values are honor, courage, and commitment. Mm. You need to be really clear about what is it that you're trying to do. And then you need to find ways in every single way you can to reinforce that. Mm. Reinforce that behavior. Reinforce those values. And I think that the military is so steadfastly effective at that And I think as we at Invisible Scale, I think I'm really glad that the leadership of our team is very focused on this question, Stuart, because uh, it has not been lost on us that with each new person who's added, you look at an all hands meeting and all these new faces, Mm -hmm. all of these people who haven't grown up with the same story. So it's retelling that over and over and over again. And there needs to be a dedication to that story, to those values, to that culture or else this will just become a place where people work and Mm -hmm. we will lose that magic and how special it is to actually be a part of invisible.
0: Yeah, you nailed it. It's the storytelling Um, without uh, without a strong like military-like structure uh, it's like a meme almost. It's the like a, the story needs to basically spread through throughout people. Um, who, uh, who are some people at Invisible right now? If you if you if you feel comfortable sharing, who are excellent storytellers?
1: You're a great storyteller, Stuart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you you most certainly are. Um, when I think about the work that you've done with this podcast. I can't tell you how many people I have met who've expressed interest in Invisible have gone on the website and listened to your podcast. My parents have listened to your podcast. All of these candidates who are interviewing with us listened to your podcast. And I think that the story that you're telling through all of these different people, through all of these different perspectives gets out in such a beautifully digital <laughs> digital way and you touch all of these different lives to it that you probably don't realize mm-hmm. and that is I think maybe the most special story of or a storytelling example at invisible
0: <laughs> cool yeah now I can see where this podcast can really fit in establishing that and helping the culture grow and kind of retaining that specialness as well and that was one of the most interesting things of uh this past saturday i was really honored to to be able to attend a meetup uh that genevieve uh created that um, helped uh, build with her team of all the argentine agents down here Mm -hmm. Uh, and it was so cool. We were talking about remote work earlier, and it was so cool to basically have that in-person energy in the same way that we had mm-hmm. our offsite in Barcelona, um, but down here in Argentina with with the agents and really getting to know who, who are these people. Um, and it go and and I have to say, Invisible does a really really good job of that cultural piece of that those motivating stories and of of, of creating that energy. It's like every single person I talk to, whether it's that at the agent level, whether it's the partnership level. Like everybody's got this fire uh, inside of them and they're also really intelligent. Uh, there's something about the way that that invisible hires that that they they've, they've got the DNA of what makes uh, somebody thrive at invisible though. Uh, so yeah,
1: for, yeah, for, for sure there, that that in-person energy is so magical and there's something so freeing about remote work but then there's something so magical about doing something in person. So I'm really glad that there's a, an emphasis on the balance here because I I think that it's the best of both worlds.
0: Mm, Cool. Uh, Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And how can people find out more about your role at invisible and what you're working on? Um,
1: (laughs) I'm kind of a quiet professional, so you probably will, (laughs) you will not. (laughs) <laughs> if everything is running smoothly, that means that I'm doing my job.
0: Yeah. You're the invisible invisible. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so Something
1: much. Thanks, Twerk.
0: Hey, thanks for tuning into Plain Sight, presented by Invisible. If you liked what you heard, be sure to hit the subscribe button and consider sharing with your network. And if you're interested in learning more about how Invisible helps teams cut costs and scale, visit our website at invisible.co. See you next time.